Hello, my beautiful rebel queerlings. This is Princess Jenny coming to you at the top of our ep, which is going to be fabulous, by the way. You're all going to plots, but I am talking to you before the ep about my two sweet, sweet mushy kitties. Uh, you may not know this, but I am a registered lesbian cat girl. I have two of the world's sweetest and most wonderful kitties, Rory and PJ. They're 15, and I've had them since they were tiny, tiny babies. And they've always been healthy. They've never had a single health problem. They've always been happy. They've lived pretty much a perfect, idyllic life. Up until this past weekend, when Rory had a truly traumatizing brush with death, and I had to rush him to critical care at our local veterinary hospital, which we are very lucky to have a local veterinary hospital. And they were able to give him blood transfusions and critical care, and they saved his life, dear listeners. And I will be forever grateful. He's back home now, and he's really, he's doing great. But I do now have a $6,000 vet bill to contend with. So of course I put it on GoFundMe. And of course, the beauty of the whole system is if everybody gives a little, then the whole thing can be covered without anybody having to give a lot and without me having to ruin my credit. <laughs> um, so I understand everyone's financial circumstances are different. If you can't afford to pitch in, it's okay. You can also share the link to your social networks. That is also a great way to help. And ladies and gentle queers, my kitties are part of this community. Everyone who knows them loves them. They have been touched by the queer goddess they self. They love everyone. They're always in a good mood. They're always purring. They love attention. They've never tried to scratch or bite anyone. These are magical, magical kitties. Um, and I am going to post many pics of their sweet faces for your enjoyment so you can see how wonderful and precious it is to have my little siblings reunited again. It was so sad when Rory wasn't here for those three days. PJ stuck to me like glue the whole time. Not that she isn't always affectionate, but she did not leave my side. I didn't even get to pee in privacy. And she's very happy that he's home, as are we all. So that is the story of Rory and our little cat family. And please enjoy the show and check out my GoFundMe if you can. Thanks. Producer Ashley here with a content warning. This episode includes discussion around sensitive themes, specifically that of child abuse. This discussion happens around the one hour mark and ends around one hour and 13 minutes, but the exact timestamps can be found in the show notes. Hey folks, and welcome to Hey Adora, your queer sheer podcast. I'm Force Captain Meph, they them. And I am Princess Jenny, she, her, and I am so happy to be back in your ears this week. Oh, Jenny, we're happy to have you in our ear holes. Yay. Yay. I missed you. We missed you too. I missed all of you, dear listeners. That was not only to Meph. Oh, but but you also missed Especially, me. Especially, right? of course, Meph. Of course I fucking missed you. Are you kidding? I missed you too. You promise? <laughs> I promise. I really do promise. I, I, speaking of which, promise is season one, episode 11, or Catra and Adora break up and we all die a little inside. 
It is directed by Jen Bennett, written by, you guessed it, our god, Noelle Stevenson. Storyboard by Polly Go and Mickey Quinn. Jenny. Meth. Are you ready to, to deal with the most queer processing of queer processing episodes we've had so far? I am super ready. I love this episode. I also love of this Of course episode. I do, because, dear listeners, I'm a fucking lesbian. <laughs> and I have done a lot of lesbian processing in my life. Dear listeners, Jenny is... A giant fucking lesbian. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not that lesbians I, I, hold, like, the monopoly on queer processing, but I think that we probably started it. Y'all are really good at it. Oh, yeah. Like, a tip of the hat to lesbians for really giving the rest of us <laughs> queers uh, a solid basis for what queer processing can and should be. Yeah. You know, it can really drag you down when you're trying to reach a consensus to make a decision. But if you're not... <laughs> If you're just trying to process your feelings, it's fantastic. God bless you, lesbians. Thank you. We, we salute I mean, you. I, I accept that on behalf of all lesbian kind. <laughs> I want to give you a trophy. <laughs> on behalf of all lesbian kind, Jenny will <laughs> accept this queer processing award. Yes, I'm going to stand up on stage and say, all of lesbian kind couldn't be here tonight. I am going to accept this uh, award on their behalf. As in, I be half in it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know that's dumb. Let's let's get into the woods. All right, so uh, you want to take it from here, Jenny? Sure, we pick up right where we left off at the end of the beacon. There's a giant-ass beam of light shooting straight up into the sky from someplace in the woods, and Catra and Adora are both following it for different reasons. So they both track it to the Crystal Castle. Katra sees Adora from her spot up in the tree, where, of course, she is finding a strategic spot. She's not just following five feet behind Adora. She's too smart for that. She sees Adora go in and she follows. And now we are inside the crystal castle. It's a big, beautiful, empty crystal place all in bicolors, as we remember from before. And we, we dig it. We dig it. We dig it. Katra, just to throw... Throw this in, Catra. Uh, we see Catra in shadow, not unlike the first scene that we see Catra in in the sword. Mm. Same type of position, uh, only we do not see Catra's eyes glowing. So we only see Catra from behind in shadow watching Adora like prey. Mm. That's a good observation. Thank you. I yes, watched this episode yes. a lot and cried oh, a lot. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I'm sure we both did and I'm sure our listeners did as well. And cried a lot. Oh, yeah. Many tears. Many tears have been shed in the name of this episode across the globe. We love these sweet babies. We do. Sweet babies. So we see Adora. She goes into this big empty room. She's not sure. She knows what her goal is. She does not know quite how she's going to achieve that goal. So she tries to make something happen by, you guessed it, whipping out her big damn genderqueer sword, <laughs> waving it around. I, I'm here. I got the sword. Hello. Assistance, please. Katra, you know, does not need to announce herself. That's not her goal. She's sneaking around and watching what's going to happen. And then we've got a hologram that I am going to refer to as Super Basic Hologram Model 1. Oh, I love appears. that. SBH1. Oh, I love that. Yes. SBH1 says, greetings, administrator. What is your query? <laughs> query. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, queer, what's your query? Hey, queer, what's your query? <laughs> so first, you know, she's just trying, she asks her question in the most basic way she feels like she can. Yep. Hello, how do I heal my friend, please? SBH1, 
just keeps asking, what is your query? You know, we're not getting anywhere. Adora's like, oh, fine. Okay, I get it. She shears up. How about now? <laughs> That's a pretty gay moment, but not nearly as gay as the moments that are coming. <laughs> and there's a little flash of Catra's face while Adora is transforming. And we still see, you know, on her face how it hurts her to see Adora transform. Yeah. I know. And so then we SBH1 says administrator detected. And that is the end of that scene. Boom. And then we have credits. Credits, credits, credits. We're going to win in the end. Or do we? Yes, we do. But not (laughs) without some clear processing. Yes. And then we're back. We're back inside the castle. Nothing has changed. Adora's still trying to get the hologram to tell her how to use the sword to heal Glimmer. But it's not going well. And this scene, I mean, we can all relate to this. No matter how tech savvy you are, we've all had at least one moment in our lives where we're trying to do something on a device that we think should be super simple or at least moderately simple. Oh, yeah. And it's just like not happening. Oh, yeah. I've absolutely argued with computers before. Like when you're trying to get like the automated, like when you're like calling your pharmacy and it's like they, they you know, for pharmacy, press one. For others, press two. And then you press one and they say, please, you know, please state what you need for pharmacist press one for hours press two and you yell pharmacist and it's like i did not understand for pharmacy i'm like dude what the fuck i said (laughs) it very clearly you know it always happens when you're like when you're like on hold with like the electric company or some shit like that you know you've been on hold for a long time and you've gone through all these different sub menus yeah but we do have a little bit of uh, world building here, which yes, is what we, we do. So we learn about the Sword of Protection, and we learn that yep. the Sword of Protection is a portable runestone that is exclusively for She-Ra, the princess yes. of power. So Heed exclusively to administrator She-Ra, princess of power. So now we know what She-Ra's princess, you know, ability is. You know, she's right, not like right. she's not uh, a waterbender or a plant bender or you know a moon bender. You know, she's I'm, a sword bender. She's a sword bender. Yeah, she's power. <laughs> yes, yes. We have some sword exposition. Uh, we know the sword's name officially, the sword of protection. And I know we don't get into um, the original, the OGs from the 80s, she and He-Man. But the He-Man reboot slash sequel did just come out. And dear listeners, you should probably watch it because it's sneaky gay. Okay. Super, super sneaky gay. I'm not going to spoil it. I'll just say that. And and Buffy is on it in a central role. Sarah Michelle Gellar herself. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Central role, not a side and, character. And, and He-Man carries the Sword of Power, yes? Yes. So He-Man's sword is called the Sword of Power. Yeah. And Shira's sword is the Sword of Protection. Yes. So from a purely like 80s standpoint, that's pretty sexist. Yeah. You know, like women can only have swords if they're to protect people. They can't just have it to be powerful. Right. Yeah. But if it wasn't for that specific alignment, I really like the fact that it's the sort of protection. Yeah. You know? I do. I get that too. But yeah, there's that whole like weird like dichotomy of male and f- male and female binary power and just blah, yeah. blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I hate that shit. But now it's all gay and it's all good. Yay, it's true. It's very gay. Yay. So we kind of get, we don't really get anywhere with, you know, SBH1. We're not getting any answers. And Catra starts to go off exploring since she's pretty clear that Adora is in this one spot. She's very occupied. She's not going to go anywhere else or do anything. So she's, you know, just scoping it out, looking for what she actually came for, which is an intact data crystal. 
And we go back to Adora, who is basically asking to speak to the manager, please. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't go that far because she has a flash of memory of Light Hope. And she says, let me speak to Light Hope. Light Hope bringing up the theme for the episode. Well, so actually this, it's it's funny because this the hologram is still SBH1, but she suddenly speaks in Light Hope's voice. Yes. Which is like, how much... How much shenanery are we going to have in this episode? Like, everything is so circuitous. Nothing is straightforward. Hmm. Right? Interesting. So, you know, like, this is still the same hologram we had a second ago, but, you know, her eyes light up and Light Hope's voice speaks, but she's still referring to Light Hope in the third person as if she's a separate hologram. Yes. You will meet her soon enough. But first, you must let go. And there we go. That's the theme of the episode, kids. Letting go versus holding on. Yeah. When do you let go of your past to make room for your future? I think there's more of letting go than just the past. This theme is sort of a, a really obvious parallel to an episode of Avatar Last Airbender. Yep. 219, the guru. Yep. Um, guru Patik, when Aang goes to him for guidance, how to, you know how to control and fully realize his avatar state. And the guru tells him that he must let go yep. of his worldly attachments. Mm -hmm. So that's not quite the same as letting go of your past. They're similar and certainly you should probably let go of both of them if you want to achieve your core self, your core identity. And that doesn't mean that you, you know, that's a hard thing. It's a pretty big thing. It's not like, oh, you want me to let go of everything? Like, sure, okay, that's done. What's next? Right. Yeah. You know, and Aang had a really hard time letting go of his attachment to Katara. He was able eventually in that episode to let go of all everything else that was really tying him to things he loved, people he loved. You know, he had to let go of everything in order to become strong enough to save the whole world. And ironically, like he had to let go of the people he loved if he wanted to save them, because you can't save the people you love if you let the whole world die. That's the crux of this issue as if you're the hero figure. Right trying to achieve your strongest form, and you can only do that if you let go. And in of course, in Adora's case, she does have to let go of her past. They both do. Right. Um, and this is very much a parallel journey episode. But it's also, it is a parallel journey episode, but I would like to point out that just like in Avatar, this is a subversion of that. Because we also see Shadow Weaver saying it throughout the, you know, I, I rewatched Heart 1 and 2 yesterday as well, um, because there are there's a lot between those two. I mean, it's literally- When does Shadow Weaver say it? Shadow Weaver is like, you know, specifically about Catra, like, you, you know, Catra's a distraction. Oh, yes. You know, so it's all of yes. those and it's the idea of like letting go you need to you need to let go of these things to become Shira. you know you need to be able to focus get rid of distractions you know yes because as soon as Adora says let go of what that's when Katra enters the frame yes yep Katra enters the frame behind her yep takes the data crystal sets off the security alarm so uh shenanery we have reached peak shenanery <laughs> Catra, uh, Catra finds the data crystal, yanks it out of the wall. Um, wackiness does indeed ensue, um, and um, bad things happen. Yeah. So immediately, as soon as Catra takes the crystal and all the security stuff starts to go off, Adora automatically moves in to protect her. That's automatic. And then Catra automatically lets her and they both move into their familiarity together. They're not treating each other like mortal enemies. They could still be like regular exes per se. When you're, you know, if you're with your ex, who you still have feelings for, 
and a bank robbery starts and your lives are in danger, you would probably still move in to protect each other. Sure. And not be like, wait, I don't like you anymore. We're broken up. So I'm not going to protect you. Fuck you. Like, no. (laughs) You move into the familiar in a life-threatening situation. Yes. And so now they're just falling back into their old automatic habits with each other. So now the fun Catchadora banter is coming back. Hello, how we've missed you. Mm. Right? So we're getting, you know, some of the sweet stuff as well as a lot of the big thematic stuff. And once again, we never see Catra refer to Adora as She-Ra here, even though we they counter each, they encounter each other. Well, does anyone ever... I think hardly yeah. anyone ever refers to Adora as speaks to her, calls her Shira to her face. Uh, it only happens yeah. formally, occasionally. Yeah. And of course, uh, Perfuma calls her the Shira because Perfuma is ridiculous. Yes. Um, but I yes. think that's just because Perfuma is super extra. So. Yes. So they run out of this room into the labyrinthine corridors of the rest of the castle. And I have my first gayest moment nom here, even though I know it's not the winning nom. The moment when Adora uses her big genderqueer sword to cause an avalanche on top of the robo spiders. Oh, yeah. And then she turns the sword into, into the, the shield, shield and, protect- and pulls Catra against her for protection. Yeah. That's hot. That's hot. No, I, I agree. That is a really good gayest moment. Thank you. I like that one. I skipped over even mentioning that suddenly there are robot spiders. Yes. Okay. So yeah, there are also there are robot spiders that are trying to kill them. Yeah. A whole bunch. Not just one. A whole bunch. Yeah. There's a whole gang of robot spiders and they are um, trying to kill them. And now we are, you know, now we're in bickering with your ex during the bank robbery time. Right. Yes. So that's fun. So after the avalanche, it's like the immediate danger is over. Adora turns back into herself and they argue... But again, they're not arguing like they did when they were bitter enemies. They're sort of arguing, bantering about the situation that they're currently in. And we get a little bit more into like what is happening. Adora explains that the castle sees Catra as a threat. And as long as Adora is protecting her, it's going to see her as a threat too. Mm. And now there's two lines here that I really thought were sort of the central thesis of the episode. Catra says, good thing I didn't ask you to protect me. And Adora is like, why are you here? You know, first, she just doesn't know how to respond to Catra saying, I don't need you to protect me. I didn't ask you to protect me. But, you know, in the moment, she did, like, what was she supposed to do? She's just supposed to stand there and watch giant robo-spider spiders attack and possibly kill her ex-girlfriend, who she secretly still loves, not that secretly. (laughs) Secretly, not that secretly. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Adora can't not protect Catra. She's physically not capable of that. That's true. And it's, we see, you know, through the episode, you know, through this episode and through the episodes, you know, moving forward and, you know, anything like that, what that means for both of them. Because we, we will be learning that what Adora sees as protecting Catra may not actually be protecting Catra. Right. Sometimes she really takes away Catra's autonomy. Yes, absolutely. When she does that. And she doesn't also protect, she doesn't always protect Catra when Catra needs protection because she... Right. She puts emphasis on autonomy that Katra does not understand that she has. Right. And then on the flip side of that, Katra keeps saying so vehemently, I didn't ask you to protect me. I don't want you to protect me. But then in the moment when shit is always happening, she does. Yeah. 
you know, when shit is happening, she does yell for Adora. Yep. She does accept Adora's help. Yep. She doesn't run away from it. Yep. So they are caught in this dysfunctional dynamic and they need space from each other before they can heal from that. So that's not happening right now. That's just no. a reflection. No. Right now, we're moving on to another gayest moment, Nam. That's probably the winning one for this episode. Do you want to say it, Meth? You know what's what's next. I do know what's next. So there's a lot of smart snarking here. Um, uh, Adora's like, you know, this banter is real flirty. Uh, and it's like, hey, does Shadow Weaver know you're here? And of course, Catra's like, I'd say Shadow Weaver has bigger problems right now. And then Adora's just looking at her like... Hmm. And it's kind of like... She's giving her a little old gay smirk. A little gay smirk, but not not a super intense one yet. We get no, a much no. more... So then was like, why are you looking at me like that? Gay smirk. I know what this is about. Uh, I, you know, I knew you'd be weird I about it. I told you. It's, it's not because, because I, I like, like you. you. And then I just have gay. And then mm-hmm. Daddy Adora throws back this smirk that's like... I mean, I, I, I didn't say anything. And it's just like, yeah. these bitches are gay. She's cool as a cucumber with that Good line. for them. So gay. Yeah. This might be my gayest moment. And it's so early in the episode, but. I know it is, but it doesn't matter. This is it. This I is think. it. Yeah, I think it is too. I think we can call it, we can call it pretty early. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean there aren't going to be more gay, gayest moments absolutely but this i think this this is the one this i think gets this this is in the same award ceremony that jenny gets for um takes the lifetime achievement award for lesbians for queer processing um definitely this is this definitely um gets the award in that nobody has ever stared down someone who wasn't saying anything and said i told you it's not because i like you if it wasn't because they liked you yep exactly like, you didn't, Adora didn't say anything. Yeah, and also Adora was like, bitch, I know you do, you know? <laughs> and pure, yeah. like, unadulterated, unfiltered daddy Adora, like, smirk, arms crossed, eyebrow yep. raised. Yep, yep. And they're just, yeah, it's a great smirk. I have some screenshots of this scene, and uh, it's pretty conclusive stuff. Yeah, yeah. So then they get back into a little bit of dialogue that, I mean, it isn't super plot driving, but it is, you know, digging into their their current state of entanglement, um, their position with each other, mm-hmm. and their position with their new lives separate from each other. Mm-hmm. Catra wants to know why Adora is here by herself without her new BFFs. Adora is pissy and sarcastic and like, oh, oh, my friends, my friends who you poisoned and tried to kill and blah, blah, blah. And nothing really comes of that. Yeah, Catra's, Catra's like throws like the super punk attitude. It's like, well, yeah, what the fuck? What else would I be talking about? Jeez, Adora. Yeah. Like, and so Adora's like, okay, well, let's keep moving. Catra, continuing her punkness, is like, well, we don't need to go together. You know, you go do your thing. I'll go do my thing. And then she has this one. Mo- she just turns and looks behind her at the blocked exit, turns and looks in front of her and realizes there is only one path. Yep, and it's and then forward. She's like, I guess we're, I guess we are going to go together. Yep, and so they have to move through the path forward. Sigh. And and so the next scene, I always write like the setting for each scene. I wrote down the hallway rabbit hole. Mm. I love this montage. I mm. love this montage. It's 
gorgeous. Jenny, did you, um, by any chance, write down, describe the, each of the scenes in the montage? Not hugely in depth. Okay. Um, just a little bit. I yeah. wrote that they walked past some beautiful but totally unnecessary scenery. There are walls of water and some pretty bridges and beautiful coloring. And they walk in silence the whole time. And Catra always walks a step behind Adora instead of walking beside her. Hmm. Here is where I kind of went a little bit nuts with my notes. So, um, I would like to talk to everybody about German expressionist film. I was wondering where this was going to come in when you mentioned it. It's coming in here, specifically the way that they are moving through those scenes. So there are kind of three big particular scenes that we have here, right? We have them walking through the waterfalls with the gorgeous, like, like Mm -hmm. lighter colors. And then we have the one scene where they're walking diagonally, um, with the shadows, the big... Oh, yes. I actually marked that as another gayest moment, even though it wasn't the biggest. Catra's hair shadow on the wall. Dear listeners, you probably have noticed this. I know some people have. At the six minute, 35 second mark, and, you know, a few seconds on either side of that, there are shadows in the wall. Catra's hair looks super punk asymmetrical in the shadow. Looks super gay. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it looks even gayer than it really is, which is a lot of gay. It's true. Catra has super gay hair the entire series. But the yeah. shadow, so we have the shadows, the long shadows that kind of stretch out. And then we yes. have the other, um, the other scene is another scene where the entire set is kind of angled and we have them walking forward. All of the colors are very bright, very unnatural. They're either in shadow or they're obscured. So, German, let's take it back a little bit. German Expressionism. What is German Expressionist cinema? I'm going to try not to be too much of a boring ass, like, you know, boring ass talking Wikipedia article, but I'm going to try try to, like, make sure that I get this. No, I mean, I know about visual art on canvas, but I do not know about German Expressionist film. So please enlighten me. Okay, so very high level. So expressionism was developed as an avant-garde style bef- uh, in Europe, European art style, kind of style movement, before World War One, and kind of went through Weimar to, um, you know, through the uh, um, middle war period up until kind of the start of, like, the end of the Weimar Republic, which the Weimar well, Republic, by the way, if you've ever seen the movie Cabaret, that's the Weimar Republic. But also, sorry, let me just pump in for a second, maybe to help people get a full perspective Expressionism in Europe widely was also a reaction to what came before, which was Impressionism. Impressionism was very still and lovely and somewhat emotionless. And Expressionism is is not emotionless. It is the very opposite. Yes, it is. It is utilizing sub, uh, color and shape and um, abstractions. Um, to express subjective understandings of reality instead of objective. Mm-hmm. So German Expressionist cinema, we have kind of, th- you know, a couple of really big examples. Uh, so we have The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which was from 1920. Uh, Metropolis, which also kind of gets nodded here because Light Hope and um, SBH1 are both very kind of Metropolis-y, Art Deco-y, uh, Android style. Uh, and Nosferatu. Um, so these were all made by German filmmakers, which is hence why they are the German expressionist film style. 
expressionist films often reveal kind of shots, internal and external buildings and sharp angles, great heights and crowded environments. They use skewed perspectives in both the setting and the camera angling. And shadow is used a lot to exaggerate, uh, to convey a particular emotional effects. Uh, Nosferatu, for example, utilizes shadow a lot. Um, you often see the actions uh, in Nosferatu in shadow before you see the actions done by the actor. So mm. uh, that's kind of showing the duality of action, just like you're seeing here when you see the shadows kind of expressing while they're moving towards this very skewed, you know, kind of descending into an internal communications with themselves and with each other. Another thing is the skewed perspective and like the sharp angles and the dramatic lighting and the camera stuff, the colors. Um, yeah. And this must have been very groundbreaking at the time because we're talking about the 1920s. Yeah. And previous to that, watching a movie was very similar to just watching a play yeah. that had been filmed because, dear listeners, cameras back then were wicked heavy. Yeah. And they just sat, pointed straight ahead and that was what you're going to watch. You know, it, they utilized a lot of like, so the doctor, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari utilizes this wonderful lighting uh, as well as um, set design. Lots of these sets are painted to be, you know, not realistic at all. And you can actually see them like playing with perspective themselves. The sets are painted to look perspective wonky. Things are very angular. This, yeah. these three particular spots, specifically the big long shadow one, really just brought me right to both Nosferatu and the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari um, utilizing these techniques. Mm. The shadow and the the color and the, you know, skewed perspective and skewed angle yeah. to hear express the kind of descent into the internal, uh, the internal self that they are going through. Yes. Oh, I love that. So German expressionism. I'm here for it. Yeah. Fuck yeah. German expressionist film. German expressionist film, which is very important. Yeah. But we also see that here. We see the skew. We see the skewed perspectives. We see the 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 big long shadows. We see. And these are also some of the most beautiful shots in the series. I have... They are beautiful shots. Yeah. It's some of the most beautiful work in the series. I have one as my background on my computer. Ooh. It's gorgeous. So... Yeah. I love that. I love that as those being indicators to Coucher and Adora's journey into the self, into the subconscious. You know, that's where they are going together right now. Into, mm -hmm. into a liminal space, really. Yep. Exactly. And it really conveys that like, you know, water, it's, you know, water is, yep. go, it is kind of symbolic of moving into a dream state and, and mm -hmm. going into a liminal space, right? Because water mm -hmm. only has form when it's in a container. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So this has been Meph's Professor Smartbrain. Thank you, Professor Smartbrain. I love today's lecture. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fun. So, now fisting jokes for all. Hooray. <laughs> so now they get to... A beautiful door. Katra, for some reason, is convinced it's a dead end and not a door. But Adora knows that it's not a dead end. She puts her hand out, says the magic word, Eternia. Ta-da! It opens. It's a whole thing, right? It's not worth explaining to Katra right now. But here they go. And my title for this next room, this the scene, is In the Holodeck. Because <laughs> that's... The, Clearly the, what's going on here. The holodeck of the subconscious. Yes, it's the smart holodeck because you don't even need to program it. Yeah. It just scans you. Yeah, and brings up all of the all of your neuroses and worst yes, memories. Yes, yes, it's the therapy, therapy holodeck. The therapy holodeck. So, 
They walk into total darkness. Everything is pitch black except for the sword of protection. The little magical clit at the base lights up. Super handy. And I have a really dorky gay joke here. Please do. I guess for as long as there have been lesbians, there have been Swiss army knives. Excellent. Because this sword is a total Swiss army knife. It does all the things. That is a great lesbian joke. And thank you. I appreciate that. So Katra has a great line here. She says, cool, you found the infinite darkness room. Have fun. Bye. (laughs) But then when she turns back around, the door has vanished. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So you're stuck together. And then there is a tiny red dot of light that when I saw that right away, I was like, anglerfish. (laughs) <laughs> Don't put your head close to it. <laughs> I just wrote, adore- I wrote in all caps, body scan, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is what it turns out to be. But before they know they're going to get body scanned, they just walk towards this little red dot of light in pitch blackness. And I was like, no, dude, it's an anglerfish. I knew it wasn't an anglerfish, dear listeners. But that was what my gut was telling me. I know that you have to be underwater for there to be anglerfish. But that was... <laughs> That was what it reminded me of, okay? So they get scanned. Body scan. Body scan. And then, boom, fright zone. Fake fright zone. Fake fright zone. And immediately, Adora's like, what the fuck are you doing? And puts Katra in, it's not a chokehold, but it's a, it's a restraint. It's a, uh, it's a restraint yeah. maneuver. And is like, what yeah. the fuck? What are you doing? And Katra's like, I have no fucking idea. Like, what is going on? This isn't my fault. This isn't my doing. Yep. And then Adora's next thought is, okay, so what is it? Like a trick of shadow weavers? And again, Catra's like, I don't know. I doubt it. But let go of me. Fuck off. She doesn't say fuck off because they're not allowed to say fuck in TVY7. But Catra would. Yes. Catra would say fuck off. But so they wander around exploring a little bit. They both see, first Adora notices a little bit of like, um pixelation just in the wall mm-hmm. and then Katra tries to talk to one of the guards and she puts her finger right through his helmet face and she sees that it's not real well that's one choice of words and she calls out hey Adora it's not real which is such an interesting choice of words yep as opposed to saying oh it's it's a simulation yes it's a computer it's like the danger room they've been in the danger room before with simulations exactly like cuz these are still real things that happened yes oh good point jenny yes there is reality to this there just it's yeah. not tangible reality it, exactly it's it is however still real within the observable universe Yes. Oh, I love this. Ooh, I love talking about reality. It's squishy. I know, right? They are still living within their inner reality. Right. So I labeled each of the scenes that they go through that they witness together. And so the first one is happening right now. Scene one is Baby Catradora and Octavia. Mm. And it's very sweet. Adora, you know, adult Adora. I mean, we're going to say adult. I know they're not necessarily super adults. They're like... What, at this point, 18? 18, 19, yeah. So I'm going to say adult. They're adults. It's close enough. Yeah. Anyway, adult Adora hears Catra calling for her, and she turns around to look, but it's an image of little Catra. Mm-hmm. Little Catra comes running, calling to little Adora for comfort mm-hmm. after getting into a bit of a tussle with a fully grown horde officer, which was probably not super advisable. Well, okay, who the but fuck is going to get into a fight with a child, though? Like, that's a good question. A horde officer. 
Yeah. Yeah, but okay. That's, that's who. That's who. It's the freaking horde. They don't care. It is the friggin' horde. They really don't care. But so it's really cute. Catra is not as tough as she always seems. She screams when she thinks she's bleeding. Adora comforts her. Very, very sweet stuff is happening. And little Adora, in this moment at least, is the perfect friend. She takes Catra's side, even though Catra clearly was in the wrong. You know, she didn't do anything except exist near her, her Octavia, and scratch her on the eyeball and call her a dumb face. Well, she does have a dumb face. She does. So, I mean, Catra so, does have a point there. She does have a point. This is uh, the first handhold alert. Adora takes Catra's hand, little baby Adora and little baby Catra. There's a lot of hand-holding in this episode. There's a lot of hand-holding in this episode. Mm -hmm. So they walk over hand in hand. Adora says, where is she? And little Catra leads her over and points down to the eye-patched Octavia, who will remain eye-patched from this moment forever on. (laughs) Because we have seen that in the future. We will see that. Um, And in the future, Octavia also mentions that Catra was six when she did this. So we know they're six years old in this Mm -hmm. scene. She points down to her and Adora yells in solidarity, hey, Octavia, you're a dumb face. Okay, but like, why does Octavia get so pissed off that children are calling her a dumb face? I know. I mean, it's a kid's cartoon. Yeah, sure. But like, I'm not sure that this is all like all Catra's fault. You know what I mean? Like, Of course, of course. If this was reality, it would be ludicrous yeah. for a full-grown adult to get that mad when a six-year-old calls them a dumb face. Yes, that would be that would be but, terrifying. You know, these are these are not, you know, like uh these are not um officers of, you know, a well-run army that is just a peacekeeping force. These are like jacked up people looking for blood. Yeah, I mean, they are You know, bad it's like they dudes. go they're hair trigger, hair trigger tempers yeah, in yeah. the horror. They're they're we, not you know. they're not good dudes. They're not good dudes. So, but you know, they're goading her on purpose. Yeah. They think it's funny. She runs after them, all her tentacles come out, and they're running away and they're laughing. Mm-hmm. They're holding hands, running away, laughing together. And then as they run away, they pass by some kind of techie column thing mm-hmm. in the fright zone and little Catra and Adora run past it and then after they run past it it's adult Catra and Adora. And they're both holding so hands and they're, they're laughing. Still, they're still laughing and holding hands. So before in the beginning it was like they were observing the scene but now by the end it's like they were enacting it. Mm-hmm. They were a little Catra and Adora. Yep. So that's very interesting. Yep. And we get a little exposition. It must have been some kind of simulation. It's tapping into our memories. Mm-hmm. And Catra's like, how do you Why? deal with... Why? We don't know. Yeah. Why do you do this? I'm only here because you had to get, you know, Keo Glimmer. And then, of course, we have Catra screaming, what do you want? An apology. You're not You're getting not one. You're not gonna get it. Yeah. And, of course, you know, as we know... Um, dear listeners, we know that Catra only apologize. <laughs> you know, Catra doesn't apologize to anybody until she does the big, big apology and starts her. Yeah, that's her, way later. Way later, and starts her journey We're, into yes, being being apologizing, an apology person. Yes, her journey back to herself, her her journey of recovery, her journey of that's recovery. That's a long ways off. That's so a long right ways now, off. Yeah, she's still someone who does not apologize yep. because she's too hurt. 
you know. Yeah, because she she has to be she has to protect herself. She's not going to yeah. give the yeah. vulnerability of the apology. She has to be right in order to save herself. Yeah, exactly. She has to she has to keep her tough shell up. If yep. she's the only one protecting herself, nobody she's, else is going to do it. Exactly. So, you know, and that is the crux of this episode: whether Adora ever actually has protected her, whether or not her intentions are good, how much that matters, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. That's going to keep. We're not going to like get into that in abstract form right now because that's what the whole episode is about. Yeah, it's and it's Let's so meaty just, and so juicy. It's so meaty and juicy. It's it's meaty like texturized vegetable protein. <laughs> we don't have to make it. We don't have to make it a meat based metaphor. Which they are serving at the award ceremony where Les or Jenny is accepting the award on behalf of all lesbians. You mean they're serving the, the vegetarian meat? Yeah, the TVP. Yeah. The TVP, yeah, yes. Actually, I don't think that stuff's even around anymore. It totally We're showing is. our age again. Yeah, I know. TVP's still around. It is? Yeah, yeah. You make chili with it. Okay, good. Yeah, you can good. still get it in bulk at natural food stores, and you can make chili oh, with it. Oh, good. Thank God. And uh, now that yeah, there's impossible all these, you know, Beyond kind of Meat products, all these Beyond Meat products, I don't think they're actually very good for you. They have a ton of sodium. They have a ton of sodium in them, but yeah, I they're like them. highly processed. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean... I'm sure they're delicious. I just can't have them health-wise. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. We're, t- we're t- <laughs> Dear listeners, the lesbian is talking about fake meat again. <laughs> Let's move onward through the castle. Uh, so now they arrive at another room. It's just a big treacherous pit with a thin, tenuous stone bridge across the middle because what else would you have in the middle of a big castle? Other than a room with a giant pit. Yeah. Because yeah. why, you know. <laughs> you got to keep your giant pit somewhere. You have to keep your giant pit somewhere. You need the you need the room of impending peril in order for, um, you know, the walking of continued, um, the walking of continued plot movement to happen, you know. Yeah, and you need to feel good about yourself after you make it through. Absolutely. And it's a real ego boost. And of course, we need the, we need the place where, um. We need the place where our action, you know, our action shows the exact same thing that our conversation is showing. So Totally, totally. So, you know, we have them walking across the thing. Adora really super wants Catra to open up and asks, you know, can I ask you something? Catra, of course, is like, whatever, can I stop you? Which is Catra's I'm too punk rock to care version of saying yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Adora just cannot understand. And Catra's really never given a reason why well they haven't talked well they haven't talked but like still so like this is kind of where the conversation is starting right why did you Mm -hmm. help me escape after shadow weaver captured us and you could have gotten caught why risk it why risk it and they're you know they are literally like they are literally walking across you know uh an an infinite doom pit of doom where they could (laughs) they are risking it on a very thin bridge on a very thin bridge adora starts to slip you know, say, you know, asking the question. And then Catra said, you know, like Catra grabs her, grabs her. And and that's another handhold visually. Yep. You know, there's one frame that just shows their handhold. Yep. And then a separate frame that shows Catra holding Adora up while Adora is dangling over the pit. Yep. Like, you know, they're two very specific still images that are very important visual metaphors. Yep, exactly. So it's Catra literally doing the thing that Jura was talking about, but playing it off and then like kind of throwing in a, you never did have too much faith in me. Well, she does say before they get to that, 
She doesn't just play it off like it's no big thing. She said, did you really think I would just let Shadow Weaver erase your memories like that? Right. And Adora says, I don't know, probably. Yeah. And Catra says, yeah, well, you never did have too much faith in me. And then Adora says, can you blame me? And Catra says, very honestly, with no snark, no, not really. Oh. This fucking, like... Because this is a real chicken and the hen situation. Yeah. With, like, you know, who, who's, who began the cycle in which Adora can't really trust Catra to come through. Right. Adora doesn't really trust. I shouldn't say can't. Right. Who started that cycle, you know. But it doesn't really matter at this point, but... You know, they have to deal with these difficult truths and they are both, in at least this moment, having this honest conversation in a non-sarcastic way. Probably one of the more honest conversations they've been able to have. Yeah. Um, since they're And also, when Catra turns around to keep walking, her tail brushes over Adora's hand yeah. and Adora gives her a little smile. Yeah. Oh. Because that's, you know... A tiny, tiny gesture of affection, but that's all Catra can manage right now. But they s- and Adora, Adora gets it, and she appreciates it. And it's still there. Like, the affection is still there. This conversation is still, like, it's it's still predicated on their affectionate, you know, conversational rhythm, right? It's like you said, like, there's still, mm-hmm. still exes in, the, in, a, in a bank robbery, right? Yep, yep. L- like, they're still in a dangerous situation. Now that the situation is not imminent danger, now they're waiting in the vault, you know? Like, they're waiting in the bank vault, you know, still hostages, but no one has a gun to their face. They're able to... Right, exactly. You know, they're able to... Um, talk a little. They're able to talk a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why it's... This episode is one of the episodes that if, like, you know, if I wanted to point to someone and say, this show is such a deliciously, complexly written, character-driven show yeah. with amazingly deep characters, this is one of the episodes that I would point to. Because, it, you know, it has humor, it has pathos, it has these beautiful, wonderful characters exploring their internal lives in such a, a rich way that yeah. is so multidimensional. And it's not, yeah, it, yeah, there's, yeah. there's nothing flat about this, right? You know, No, this is a very multivalent episode yes. in terms of character development. And it's very therapeutic, I think. I think a lot of people can resonate with, with all different aspects of this episode. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, we we see this kind of lead into a moment of Catra's vulnerability because we have Catra saying like, you know, and it's it speaks to what Catra said before. It's like, did you it wasn't all bad growing up. We had some good memories. And Adora says, of course. And she's very open when she says it. She's very earnest. She means it. But it doesn't change the fact that the horde is evil and I, I couldn't go back. Yeah. But that doesn't invalidate her loving memories of Catra. Absolutely. And then is like, you know, does a little shoulder knock. I know. I love this. And is like, hey, I missed you too. Mm-hmm. And Catra's like, what? Like totally caught off guard, like in her own tender moment and says, I mm-hmm. don't miss you. Uh, and then they start gay wrestling mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. giggling and... Mm-hmm. Catra. You have to admit you like me. Yeah, it's like, I don't Nuggies. like you. Noogie, I don't Nuggie. like you. Gay wrestling. And then they, uh, they're gay they wrestling, fall. giggling. Yeah. This is their this is their relationship. This is, you yeah. know, this is how they know each other. This is good. This is kind of, in a way, how they comfort each other. Yeah, by wrestling with each other because mm-hmm. 
They're screwed up. <laughs> they're screwed up, but they still crave each other's contact. Yeah, they're very physical. Um, they're very physical. Have always been very physical. Then they're doing this thing and they get whacked right into another memory uh, therapy hologram. Yep. Yep, they fall right into the next scene, which is Horde Cadet Junior High. I love Horde Cadet Junior High. I love Horde Cadet Junior High. Oh my god, I dig it. So Tween, Catradora are sparring in the danger room, and they have a great dynamic here because they both look focused, but they also both look like they're having fun. Mm -hmm. It's good times, right? I imagine that this is somewhat what it's like if you are really good at a sport slash really enjoy a sport. And you're just doing your thing and you're in the zone and you're and you know you're doing really well, but you're also just really having fun and you're playing with your teammates. Like, fuck yeah. Yeah. And also like they're equally matched. Yeah. And they're yeah. equally matched um in their own like skill sets. Catra is mm -hmm. fast and agile. Adora mm -hmm. is powerful. Yeah. So Catra cheats. She pretends to be hurt because she knows Adora will stop fighting if she pretends to be hurt. Um, Katra knows that she, uh, does not have all of the tools afforded to her that, say, her other teammates do, and fights smart. What does that mean, exactly? It means she uses all of her abilities. If, yes, you know, Lonnie says you fought dirty, but Katra right, but she's not- if she pretends to be hurt with a real enemy, they're not gonna care. This is not a real strategy for fighting. Yeah, it absolutely is. You play dead. It's a psychological, it's a psychological strategy. Katra understands that a battle is not just, and that's why she pokes Adora in the forehead too. We're seeing that Katra understands that a I battle is I thought they were just fucking around and having fun when she did the forehead poke. Sure, but it also, you know, just as they're fucking around and having fun, it also does show how each person approaches battle and how each person approaches a conflict. And we do know that that's Katra fair. is the more, um, um, the more psychological fighter. Katra is yes, the more um, uh, socially intelligent fighter. And Katra knows to use every single one of their assets that they have to win a fight. So Katra knows that, you know, Katra may not be as powerful, you know, and Katra may not have everybody on her side. But Katra knows that she can use the psychological advantages that she has in a fight in order to survive. I hear you, but I still don't think that strategy would work against a real enemy. It doesn't matter if that particular strategy will work against a real enemy. It's not that Katra is using a, the same strategy. It's that Katra is identifying that a psychological strategy is just as important as a physical strategy in battle. Okay. Um, and that is part of that. her tool set. We're, yes. we're seeing that yes. that is Katra's part of her tool set. I definitely hear you. So okay. and we we see that we see that you know throughout the entire series too. Katra understands like you know just like a, a cat toys with its okay. its prey. Okay, so Lonnie, for whatever reason, whether we think it's valid or not, Lonnie intervenes and decides to level the playing field. Katra does take Lonnie out, but Katra is shook by that. Uh, we can see that she's triggered. She's breathing super fast when she mm -hmm. takes Lonnie out, so she's off guard then. And then Adora is able to take Katra out. And obviously Adora wins. Everyone knows that's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then Adora is lavishly praised, a little bit excessively, I think, by I think so. their big blue trainer. He says, you know, I like your focus. This win will definitely be reported to Lord Hardak. And I was thinking, like, you're reporting the goings-on in junior high directly to Hardak? Yeah. Like, really? It's, like, weird, right? I don't think he's going to care. But regardless, that is what happens. 
And then while, you know, Adora's getting her, you know, triple portion of praise, Catra walks over to Lonnie and calls her out for ganging up, ganging mm-hmm. up on her. But before it can go anywhere, Adora, and you know, Lonnie says what we just said. She said, you were fighting dirty. I was just leveling the playing field. And before anything can come of it, Adora comes over and tells Katra, you were great. Are you hurt? Did I hurt you? And Katra says, no, I'm fine. And physically she is. Yeah. I also want to point out that um, we did miss another handhold. Adora. Um, when uh, when Katra's on the ground and loses. Adora, yes, Adora reaches out a hand to help her up. And, you know, Katra takes it and pulls her up. So there's another yep. there's another scene where they reach for each other and one of them pulls the other up. Yep. One of them up. Every time they reach for each other, there's trust. Yep. So we see that all throughout this episode. Yep. Even though there's so much struggle around trust, every time they hold out their hands to each other, there is trust there. Yep. So Katra casually says she's fine. It's no big deal. Um, she's fine with second place. Spoiler alert, she's not. Mm-hmm. Adora says, let's go cool down. Catra is like, yeah, you go ahead. I'm going to, I'll be there in a minute. Um, And before we go on to Catra's solo act, what's coming next, let's pause for one moment to appreciate all the other sweet baby cadets. Yes, can we? That picture that I sent you earlier. Oh my gosh. Let's look at it for a second. Yes, And we can talk about each of the cadets. I want to do that. Because it's precious. It is precious. I know we've talked about this scene before because I remember praising Rogelio's hairdo. Yes, I love Rogelio's hair. I know. I don't know why he changed it. I mean, I think it looks better in the junior high. Rogelio always has good hair, though. He does. He does. Also, another funny thing in this picture at the end where you see them all laughing together, Kyle has mad pizza face. Which I of know. Course he, of course he does. But earlier, there was like a, a very fleeting moment when you just saw Kyle and Lonnie standing next to each other. He didn't have any pimples at all. Hmm. But, you know, give the artist a break. It was yeah. two seconds. Animation Doesn't inconsistency matter. is the best way to get rid of zits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should market that. Bottle it. Um, And I yeah. love, I love Sweet Baby Rihelio loves his Kyle. Oh, Yeah. They're inseparable from the word go. Protecting his Kyle. Yep, he's got his arm around him. Oh, Lonnie laughing. Lonnie laughing with Adora. And her locks are so short. Yep. Well, she has not had as many years to grow them yet. I know. Oh. And Adora still has the stupid bump on her forehead. The stupid bumpy face. I mean, that must be the way Shadow Weaver taught her to do her hair when she was like four. Yeah, right. And that's the one way she's done it. Like forevermore. Her entire life, yeah. Her entire life. It's the only way. That's, you know, they all have one hairdo. Yeah. <laughs> and Catro is just like. Have you noticed as they move throughout um, throughout Catra's age, uh, her freckles become less and less until she only has three on each cheek? I did notice that. I noticed that when she was younger, she had more freckles. Yep. I think they might do that just because little kids with lots of freckles look like littler kids. Yeah. Agreed. I think they're just playing it up. Yeah. Okay. I suppose we have to move on. I suppose, but... You know, uh, Horde, uh, Horde Junior High, adorable. 
Yes, we love you all. But then we have young Catra being like, no, it's cool. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's not fine. Mm -hmm. It's not fine. And so we have Catra, young Catra going to, you know, tossing off her laser tag. She goes into the locker room, right, by herself. Yep. Yep. Where she can have her alone feels. Yep. Tosses off her laser tag chest piece. Goes to the mirror, like, is, like, doing the, like, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to cry, and then totally crying. Yeah. She's clenching the sink. Hardcore, like, bottle it down, like, maneuvering, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sweet baby catcher. Oh. I feel it. Oh. But so she's, she's her junior high self, but then when she looks back up in the mirror, she's her real adult self again yep and then she jumps back because it always fucks her up i mean it would fuck me up too every time you're going through one of these things and you look and it's the real you again you're like oh fuck yeah yep now they'll fuck me up and it fucks her up uh and then katra is pulled into unauthorized presence detected (laughs) and cthulhu pulls katra and no we get robo webbing pulling katra into the mirror verse into her yep. own reflection as an adult yep. where she can battle her monster on her own. Oh, very well framed. Thank you. But so Adora, still back in the cadet simulation, hears Catra screaming and drops everything and immediately comes running because that is what Adora does. Yep. Adora is never going to let Catra be in distress and not do anything. Yep. And Adora rushes to grab Catra's hand. Once again, we have the hand reach. They are unable to mm-hmm. keep a grip and Catra be- is pulled into the mirrorverse. Yep. Robo Spider wins. And we see Adora's we see Adora's horrified face on the other side of the glass as Catra's dragged away. We see Catra's terrified face. Mm-hmm. She's wrapped up, her mouth is covered, she can't even scream. Yep. So that moment is pretty gutting, even though it's certainly not the most gutting moment of this episode. They're both really reaching for each other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is the point where, you know, the the bank robber takes one of them. Yeah. Takes one of them hostage uh, and, you know, goes out to the the cops and says, I have hostages. And then yep. has one of them held up at gunpoint. And they were just arguing about the one who needs to stop trying to save the other all the time. Yep. And then she gets kidnapped and the other one can't save her. I like that we're, we're like B plotting, just like writing like a sapphic. Um, yeah, this would make a great movie or lesbian novella. Sapphic bank heist movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd pay money to see that movie. I'd definitely see that. Yeah, processing you know? while... Because the character development is very rich while still having the action. Sure, yeah, no, so... That's uh, how you get me in a movie ticket situation. Absolutely. You have to have real character development whilst also having fun action. Yes. All right, moving on. So Catra is now alone in Robo Spider's clutches. She is totally full body bound in whatever kind of ropes robot spiders can make. Goo. Goo. She tries to call for Adora. We see that. We, we hear her muffled behind the, the rope, yelling for Adora. Mm-hmm. We see her scream and toss around and cry for a moment. Yep. And then she gets her shit together like a boss and frees herself. Yep. And then she jumps up on top of this thing 
and she's totally kicking its ass. She's pulling up the circuit boards. She's punching the eyes out and she's feeling more like herself again, kicking something's ass. Yep. Right. She's getting her groove back. Yep. She is able to do this. She proves to herself whether or not, you know, she was saying it uh, and believing it, but she actually believes it now that she can do this without Adora. Yep. Um, and she does. Here comes, well, she she, she almost does. She's no, in the, the process thing, of doing it. Yeah, no, the it thing is destroyed. It's not totally destroyed. It's mostly destroyed. When she has that smile, at, right before Adora shows up, she has a cocky grin where she's like, all right, I got you now. Like, you're going down. Yeah. It's close to being totally done. She did the lion's share of the work. Yeah. She could have easily finished it herself. She yeah. didn't need Adora. But that's what makes it so frustrating. Adora yes. shows up right when Adora is no longer needed. And she gets to take the credit and for having saved Catra, even though Catra already did all the work. Exactly. But Adora has no idea. She doesn't know any of this happened. All she knows is that the last time she saw Catra, she was screaming and crying and begging for Adora to come save her. That really did happen. And that's all Adora saw. Yep. Yep. And that's why it sucks so much. Uh, they both don't get to see the full picture. And Adora just comes in and is like, hey, I got it. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. And comes in with, you know, with her big gender, gender queer sword and stabs it right in the head. And, yeah. you know, it's like. Like it ain't no thing. And it's like, and kind of hey, ladies, is it a little bit? It's like, hey, ladies, are you okay? Do you need me to change your tire? <laughs> you know, Catra's like, um, I totally killed this thing it had like one hit point you did nothing her jaws clenched yeah. she's like i had it and then adora just blows her off she's like sure you did she just you know offhandedly like that she sounds like she's humoring katra yeah. which is awful like it's it's very demeaning mm-hmm. um and you know we understand that adora didn't really see what happened but she doesn't even give katra the benefit of the doubt yeah because it is Adora's duty to save Katra, to keep Katra safe. Yep. Um, and that's that's how she's hardwired. And y- yep. she can't just get out of it. She, They both really need to go on their own separate journeys. But right now, they are in this together. Yep, they are. <sighs> so more journeying through caves and tunnels and shit. Even though they're still inside this giant holodeck, so are they even going anywhere as they are continually journeying through? Yeah, I that's why I don't know. That I, I decided it doesn't matter. I think so. I don't because think- they need to go on this journey emotionally, and that that's not going to happen unless they have a physical journey to distract right. them. Right. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So the dialogue, the next dialogue is Adora saying, "What is your problem? I was trying to save you." And Catra says, for the last time, I don't need you to save me. I've been doing just fine on my own. No thanks to you. So there is, obviously, there's bitterness there. In addition to Catra saying, I can stand on my own two feet just fine. Mm -hmm. She's also throwing in resentment. She's like, you know, no thanks to you. Like, well, you're, you're saying you don't need me. So what the fuck? Like, I'm also, she's also hearing blame. Mm hmm. Right, Adora's feeling blamed for not being there while also being told she's not needed. So it's a very mixed signal. And mm-hmm. I understand why that's hard for Adora to take in. Like, what's the upshot of that? In that moment for Adora, what's the upshot of that? Yeah. So she still stays open to the extent that she is capable of. And she apologizes. She says, I'm sorry for leaving. And she means it. 
I couldn't go back to the fright zone, not after what I saw the horde was really doing. But I never wanted to leave you. And then she kind of ruins it. She says, you could come with me. You could join the rebellion. I know you're not a bad person, which is a really poor choice of words. Mm-hmm. This next part is so fucking traumatizing. Trigger warning yes. for all of the all of the trauma yeah. stuff. So this next scene is a total trigger warning. Um, I'm sure we'll put a timestamp on it yep. at the top of the episode. Yep. Just even before we go into that, we kind of have this little nod of Adora saying, I'm sorry for leaving. I couldn't go back to the Fright Zone, not after I saw what the Horde was really doing. Mm-hmm. But we then kind of... And we understand that from Adora's perspective to be, you know, what they what the Horde did at Thamor. But then we also see what the Horde is really doing in this scene and what they're doing internally, specifically to Katra and Adora. Right. Yeah. Fuck. All right. Um, okay, so this is the most heart-wrenching part of this episode, possibly one of the most difficult-to-watch scenes, if not the most difficult-to-watch scene in the entire series. But it's so important. It's so important. And it's so incredible that there could be a scene like this in an all-ages show. You know, imagine, like, I try to imagine if I had been able to see something like this as a child, how seen I would have felt. Yeah. You know, how not alone I would have felt. Yeah. So I think it's healthy. It's the kind of hard that's healthy. Yes, it it is. Holy shit. Just a shot to the fucking trauma. Yes. Um, I'm going to need, after we do this, I'm going to need to go back to Mysticore. Uh, oh yeah i'll meet you there yeah let's go back to mysticore uh after this but so we have sweet baby catra and sweet baby adora as babies you know running around playing as children often do just being kids Mm -hmm. you know playing with each other catra is teasing adora what's it like being the world's slowest person adora galumps around but you know they're still they're but playing. But she stays good spirited. They're both, you know, just chasing each other and laughing, kind of like puppies. Yeah, they are. Kinda they're like, like puppies. puppies in this scene. And mm-hmm. when they run up to, they they see the moment that they see that the door to the Black Garnet Chamber is open. Yep. They kind of run up to it, and Catra stops first, and then Adora kind of grabs her hair. Mm-hmm. The way she pulls Catra's hair is, I kind of felt like it was a puppy tugging on another puppy's ear. Yeah, it just kind of had that energy. Yes. And so they they look at the chamber and they're like, whoa, what's that? We're not. It's open. We're not supposed to go in there. They're Adora sh- says, yes, we're definitely not allowed in there. Yep. And then real Adora watching says to real Katra, you don't have to go in there because she knows what's going to happen in that room. Yeah, they both. And this is also like we don't have to go in there. Right. Like we don't we don't have to face this. We can just. We can just keep having this, you know, like, oh, we're enemies, but we still, you know, you know, because at this point, they're, they're still very, you know, they're still very cat and mouse, right? They're still very... She doesn't, neither one of them necessarily want to have to go through it again. Yeah. Watching it so up close like this... Yes. ...is basically going through it again. Of course, Adora doesn't want that, but Catra is braver than Adora maybe gives her credit for. Yep. And she just goes right in there. Yep. So they're in there. They look at the Black Garnet chamber. They are going, looking at the Black Garnet. And yep. little Catra pokes it, gets a little zap. Yep. And then that makes Adora pretty nervous. Yep. She has a little bead of sweat on her face and she says, maybe we should get out of here. 
But before they can, an ailing shadow weaver enters. She's moaning and groaning. Mm. Clearly not at full power. Something happened that we didn't see. So they definitely want to leave and now they cannot. Mm -hmm. She takes off her mask. Yeah. And little Adora makes a little gaspy sound of horror. Because what six-year-old child wouldn't in the face of an unmasked shadow weaver? And so this scene was very reminiscent for me in particular. Um, And I might be kind of projecting, but, you know, it's shadow weaver stumbles into the room, stumbles it stumbles home like an alcoholic parent's coming home after a shitty day of work. Oh, yeah. Drunk. Like the movement that that that's there, like the movement and the rage and the anger is very much how it, you know, how we've seen it portrayed and how it, you know, very mm. much can be and takes shit out on the bat on the quote unquote bad kid and holds the good kid responsible. And this is such a realistic scene. If you if yeah. it's read, if it's it's coded like that and absolutely and so that you know and this isn't the first time we kind of see the shadow weaver as the alcoholic parents too like we see it in um oh it's heart it's heart too when she's sitting there drinking the wine and catcher's like right. where's adora and she's like she's not right. here right yeah i think it's an excellent metaphor yeah. because you know what are these fantasy narratives for right and exactly. it's the same with buffy what are yeah. these fantasy narratives for if not for giving us the freedom to explore real life trauma in ways that are a little bit more, a little bit more accessible to us because they don't feel as threatening because in some ways they are ridiculous and they're not familiar. Exactly. So we can explore them and we can let ourselves play with ideas and themes and scenarios that actually do hit very close to home. Right. So, and this is like the, the thing where the alcoholic comes, parent comes home after a Mm -hmm. shitty day of work, Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. minor happens. They take it out on the bad kid and blame it on the bad kid and tell the good kid that you should have prevented this from happening. And it is like, this is just all of the trigger warnings, but I mean, absolutely. So, so, I mean, and that's what, so shadow weaver is caught, right. Is caught, you know, Caught in a vulnerable position. Heaven forfend that anyone see her. Yeah. Without her mask on. Without her mask on and, and you know, unpowered, you know, like in in a waning power mode. Right. So she closes. And then she screams at them to get out. But but then then she closes them She essentially like slams the door. She screams, get out, and then slams the door. Right. And then turns to Katra and says, you stay. And, um... And that's when we see her use her electrical red torture magic. Yeah. Um, and we've previously seen her use on Glimmer. Yeah. So we know it's awful and painful because Glimmer fights yeah. it. So we see how yeah. painful it is because Glimmer's fighting it. Six-year-old Catra doesn't fight it. Yeah. She's too scared. So Shadow Weaver zooms in on Catra and she says she, – she gets right in Catra's face. So Catra has no personal space. Wonder if that's going to rub off on her later in life. Hmm. Who knows? Hmm. And Shadow Weaver says, Insolent child, I've come to expect such disgraceful behavior from you, but I will not allow you to drag Adora down as well. Yep. And then little Adora says, Shadow Weaver, it wasn't her fault. It was my idea too, which is not quite right. It was actually completely her idea. So, but you know, again, she's a six-year-old child. Right. Shadow Weaver completely ignores Adora. It's like she didn't speak at all and continues speaking to Catra. You have never been anything but a nuisance to me. 
And that's when we see little Catra's pupils constrict. She is yep. so beyond terrified. Yep. And Shadow Weaver continues, but I've kept you around this long because Adora was fond of you. But if you ever do anything to jeopardize her future, I will dispose of you myself. Do you understand? And I made a whole separate notation about the visual storytelling during this dialogue because please, it's equally as important. Please do tell. Okay, so I watched it. I watched it once with the sound off just to pay attention mm-hmm. to the visual language. So first we see little Katra frozen in this red force field and red, you know, visually always equals danger mm-hmm. in your subconscious mind. Unless it's a bouillon cube and then it's usually beef. <laughs> It's true. And ramen. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So unless it's food related, your brain codes red as danger. Mm-hmm. And then Shadow Weaver's shadow falls completely over Katra. As soon as we've seen her frozen, then we see her fall into Shadow Weaver's shadow. Mm-hmm. And then Shadow Weaver stoops down to verbally abuse her. So she's right on Katra's level and right in her face. And her eyes are narrowed. Somehow she makes her face threatening even through her mask. Mm -hmm. And Shadow Weaver's face continually gets closer and closer to Catra's face as she's berating her and yelling at her so viciously. And then as Catra's pupils constrict in absolute terror, the whole background around her turns black. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing exists except for Catra and her abuser. Yes. While this is happening. Yes. And that's when the camera swoops out on this elliptical orbit. Yes. And then it swoops back in to a close-up on little Catra's face where all we see are her eyes. Yep. And her pupils are trembling. She's completely... She's dissociating. I mean, that's... Well, she's terrified. She's terrified and she shut off. She dissociated. I think she's trying to dissociate. I don't... I. But I don't think she's able to as much as she wants to. She wouldn't be shaking with terror if she was totally dissociated. Yeah, that's true. But she's getting there. Like, this is the beginning of her journey there. Yeah, she's getting I'm there. I'm not arguing yeah. that. Okay. And so that, after all of this has already happened, that's when little Adora finally jumps in between them physically. Right. Puts her body between their bodies, mm-hmm. spreads her arms out wide, and she says, please stop. Yep. Which is extremely polite. But that's what she knows how to do. That's all she knows how to do. She's the people pleaser. Yeah. Yeah. And then she didn't mean to. And right. this is Adora knowing what she knows how to do, right? Like thinking right. that she's sacrificing herself, you know, thinking that's what she's doing. But that's what she's doing, right? Sacrificing herself, quote unquote. And then, you know, trying to do it by pleasing the other, by, by pleasing the abuser. Right. She's trying to tell her abuser what she thinks they want to hear. Yeah, exactly. Because <sighs> um, the truth doesn't matter when you're a small child in this situation. All that matters is what can I say to make it stop? Yes. How do I get out of this situation? Exactly. How do I make right. this stop? And it does, at that point, start to stop. Yes. All the scary shadows disappear then. Everything goes back to normal except that Catra's still frozen in her force field. Mm -hmm. And Shadow Weaver walks away and Catra and Adora share this heartbreaking look. Yeah. We can only guess and extrapolate what is going on in both of their minds when they are looking at each other like that. Like, it's not over yet. Catra is powerless. Adora is still trying to make something happen. She's not sure what to do, yeah. how to make it happen. And then we have Shadow Weaver doing the... The praise bomb. The praise bomb, and, yeah, with the, with with the physical... The, the praise bomb and the physical um, 
the physical the tenderness, right? The physical yeah. connection, the, 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 the face cradle, the, the intimacy of control. Like it's. Yeah. She tucks a lock of hair behind her ear and pats her on the head. Yep. And she speaks to her in a completely, completely different voice. Mm-hmm. She tells Adora she must do better at keeping Katra under control and do not like some let something like this happen again. Mm-hmm. But she's, you know, speaking in her scary, sweet voice. Yep. Where you still feel creeped out because it's like, is she trying to lull me into submission before she strikes? Maybe. Yep. Maybe you know, like it's sweet, but you don't trust it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because of you, you know, there was like the like the sharp contrast of the crudely utter cruelty. Right, because two seconds ago she was a yeah. monster. Yeah. So, and it is, and it's the same. It's the same cruelty too. You know, it's just right. like it's a different flavor of you know, it's a different flavor of the ice cream of cruelty, which right. is a weird <laughs> metaphor, and we should all forget that immediately. It's, <laughs> um, it's just the flip side yeah. of the same cruelty. Yeah. You know, every it's just like with with tarot cards and with most tools of divination, there is, you know, a primary reading and an inverted reading. And yeah. They're flip sides of the same energy. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So, yeah. So they are, you know, they are the same, but different views and different parts of the thing that makes up the whole, which is Shadow Weaver and her fucked up self. And her fucked up self and her fucked up abusive relationship with her her with children yeah and with children children. yeah in her life she is a power usurper and we know that yep anyway so finally she lets Katra go only after praising Adora and just sort of tut tut patting her head you know don't let something like this happen again and then they Katra and Adora leave the room and Adora has her arm around Katra and they just walk out silently and then they pass, you know, a column, and then they turn back into their adult selves, and they're still in the same position. Mm-hmm. And then this is our, this is our big fight. Yeah, here comes the pivotal conversation. This is the core of the episode. Yeah, this is where we all need to be. And it's very gutting and very effective how they <sighs> morph back and forth between their adult selves and their child selves. Yep. So we have Katra throwing her Adora's arm off of her shoulder you Mm -hmm. always need to play and also like the fact that Adora's arm is still like being protective over Catra's shoulder should not also be overlooked I have an idea did you write Mm. all the dialogue down in the scene verbatim or do you have it I have the transcript yeah okay so do you want to talk Catra's part and I'll talk Adora's part like a table read sure in this reading, Meph will be playing the part of Catra, as I am the Force Captain. <laughs> yes. And Jenny will be playing the part of Adora, as I am your Princess of Power. So, um, so Catra grunts, swatting Adora's arm off her shoulder. You always need to play the hero, don't you? And Adora says, I was only trying to protect you. And then yelling, Catra says, you never protected me, not in any way that would put you on Shadow Weaver's bad side. And then we have them cut to young Adora and Catra in the same place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yelling. And then young young Katra accuses accusingly admit it you love being her favorite. That's not true. Oh yeah? And then they transform back into adults again. Uh when you left us, who do you think took the fall for you? Who was protecting me then? You don't have to let Shadow Weaver treat you like that anymore. You can leave. And then they both transform back into kids, and little Dora says, just like I did. And young Katra. Oh, because I need to follow you everywhere you go? I didn't mean it that way. And then we get back to present, Catra and Adora. Uh, I don't want to leave. 
What don't you understand about that? I'm not afraid of Shadow Weaver anymore, and I'm a better Force Captain than you would have ever been. And then they transform back to kids again, and little Adora looks super sad and vulnerable, and she says, you always said you didn't care about stuff like that. Oh. Well, I was lying, obviously! Oh, that's really gutting. Because yeah. in that moment, they're both really, really emotionally vulnerable. Yep. And that doesn't often happen. They nope. play around with each other, and they love each other, and they protect each other. But it's very rare that they're both emotionally vulnerable together. Yep. So that's a very cathartic and necessary moment. Yeah, because we, we actually have, we actually see Catra saying, you know, not just being like, it's cool, I'm second best, like, yeah. or just being like, whatever, you know, leave me alone. It was like, no, obviously, like, I am done being, yeah. being protect. I don't want to be protected by you. Obviously, I was lying. Obviously, obviously I care. Obviously, and, and and the kind of the, the converse of that is, and you never noticed. Right. You know, you never noticed. Right. That's right. You know, you never noticed what was going on with me. Who do you think took the took the fall for you when you left? You never thought about right. your consequences. You only thought about what, how to protect me when you were there. You never thought about what would be, what would happen to me if you left, right? Because it was never about just me. It was always about you and me. Does that make sense? Right. That makes sense. It right? does make sense. But at the same time, Catra is also giving out all these mixed messages of, you know, I didn't want you to stay anyway. I, mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of Shadow Weaver anymore. I don't need your help. But then at the same time, it's like, oh, well, you should have stayed and protected me. Right. You know, is Adora supposed to make every decision for the rest of her life revolving around what's going to be best for Katra? Right. And obviously, the answer to that is no. They both have to separate. They have yes. to separate. They were unhealthily codependent before. Yep. And it's not going to be a pretty or smooth process for them to go through this. Yep. It has to be rocky and ugly because that's the way growth generally goes. It ain't pretty, but it necessary. Um, but, you know, Ka Adora is is still, like, beseeching to catch her. She still wants to make it right. She still wants to apologize. You know, she's still trying to express to catch her that it wasn't, you know, her decisions weren't about Catra. Like, no, her world doesn't revolve around Catra, but her decision to leave wasn't about Catra. And she did beg Catra to come with her when she left. Right. So what more can she do? Right. And when she's saying, like, look, you know, you're blaming me now for the fact that Shadow Weaver was shitty to you when I left, but you don't have to let her treat you that way. You can leave. You don't have to follow me, but you can leave and do your own thing if you want. And you're saying you're not afraid of her anymore, but, you know, doesn't seem like you mean it. Like, you know, Adora can't win whichever way she goes at this point. And that's okay. Yeah, sure. And Catra doesn't see a way to establish her own identity outside right. of Adora. You know, uh, like outside so, of the two of them being a unit, right? And also, like she's in a rock and a hard place, right? Because she has to establish yeah. her own identity. But you know, what's she gonna do? Run away and be her sidekick in the rebellion? Like, so right. you know, exactly, so, exactly. So you know, her choice is to is to stay with the horde and establish her right. own identity there, which you know. Is, a, is Catra's character growth. Right. Um, but so they transform back into adults after little Catra says, well, I was lying, obviously. They're back into adults. Adora runs after Catra. Catra, wait. 
Catra, she puts her hand on Catra's shoulder. Catra throws it off again. And she says, why do you think I helped you escape in the fright zone? I didn't want you to come back. Yep. And then Adora's peoples constrict, just like Catra's did when she was being traumatized. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the worst thing Adora can hear. Yeah. Is that Catra genuinely doesn't want her. Yeah. (sighs) Our messy babies. Our messy, messy babies. I know. Messy lesbians. Messy lesbians. Oh. It's, this is just the way it goes. I know. I know can't help it you know they're having it out about the core of their relationship based on you know how it's always been from the very beginning defining trauma you know not every relationship starts with defining trauma yeah sure i mean yes this is i don't know yeah it's not your standard romantic relationship yes yes but we don't even have time to wonder this right now we kind of don't because Lots of robot spiders are coming. Mm, because if, if there's anything that's going to break up queer processing, it's robot spiders. Oh, yeah. So Adora tries to transform, but the robot spiders shoot the sword out of her hand with their gooey whatever it is before she can do anything, and she gets knocked down. Um, and meanwhile, we have Katra just, like, running through her subconscious mm-hmm. um, as everything glitches, hearing all of the ways in which Catra was shitty. Running <laughs> away from all her painful memories yep, that just running. flicker flicker around her as she passes them. Yep, she's like slicing through them with her claws, just like, you know, yep. like it's not very, it's, it's, it's literal kids. This isn't a metaphor. No. Lonnie tells her she's playing dirty. Shadow Weaver calls her insolent child. Yep. Little versions of herself and Adora looking happy is like mocking to her now. Yep. And then the last thing is is Adora's voice saying earnestly, I'm sorry, Katra. And that's the last thing that like puts Katra over the top. Yeah. And she's like the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. And she's literally yelling, let me out of here. Like she's yelling to her brain, you know. But it's interesting that Adora apologizing to her is the same in her mind as all of this trauma. Hmm. She can't handle being genuinely apologized to. Especially by Adora. By Adora. Because, you know, at the end of all of this, and this is what it makes it all, why it makes it so yummy and delicious and tasty and their relationships so complicated is that you know, even through all the conversations that we had about, like, you know, the way Adora's, like, protection can be patronizing and all of this, like, stuff, like, at the end of the day, Catra still puts so much of... Catra loves Adora, and... And Adora loves Catra. But they've been through so much shit together. Yeah. that tr- the Shit that treated them and affected them both differently. Yes. That they had to, uh... They had to deal with it. They had to deal with it. And now they're both scarred in different ways. Yep. And their little pieces don't match up quite right. Oh, Jenny, this is so sad. I know, I know. I love these But it's going to get better. I know, it just takes them so long. Yeah, hashtag it gets better. Hashtag it gets better. Hashtag Catradoya's canon. Um. Yes. So yes, Catra screams, let me out of here. She falls to her hands and knees. She's gritting her teeth. She's just like trying to get her shit together on this really like tangibly physical primal kind of level. Mm-hmm. And then. And then. Uh, 
She hears the sound of crying. Oh no, Jenny. And she looks up, I know, she looks up and realizes she's in another simulation mm-hmm. in in their old barracks. Mm-hmm. So now we are in the last simulation scene, mm-hmm. which I have titled aptly Promise. Oh, this that is the is scene apt. that the episode is named for. Yes. Oh, and the entire the entire basis of the tension of their relationship. <laughs> It relies on broken and kept promises. Hmm. All right, let's let's oh, power dear. through this because it's so sad. Yeah, we got to get through it. It's sad, but we got to get through it. So this is the only scene that Catra watches without Adora. Yep. This is the only scene that either of them see alone. They yep. see all the others together. Yep. So and and also this is the only one that Catra solely witnesses as a third party and does not does not end up embodying she Mm -hmm. just witnesses yep so katra is hiding in her bunk like under a blanket and adora comes in and she's crying and she's crying and adora comes in looking for her and katra is like hiding and this is so this is cute so adora takes the covers off of katra's face and katra of course hisses at her because she's a little baby kitten um Mm -hmm. and adora is like hey it's and that's a protection response yep and Adora is there and is like, hey, it's just me. And then sits next to her. And little Catra looks so sad and inconsolable, yep. even though she stopped crying. And then this is this is where everybody's heart gets ripped out and oh, says, it doesn't matter what they do to us, you know. You look out for me and I look out for you. Nothing really bad can happen as long as we have each other. Mm-hmm. And then we have young Katra and present Katra saying at the same time, you promise. You promise. And young Adora saying, I promise. And they have a little baby hug. And adult Katra is watching all of this. And there's a beat. There's a beat where they, where the camera, the camera yeah. frames adult Katra taking in the scene with her eyes narrowed. Like she's really mm-hmm. taking it in yep. with an adult critical perspective if you will right with some distance and is like makes a choice yeah like she sees this and she makes a choice i mean maybe she does make the choice before the next part happens but then you know they hug we have so many feels and then little adora gets a little catcher to come back out and play yeah and then this is our i I believe our last handhold of the episode they walk out of the room Holding hands and just looking into each other's eyes and smiling at each other. Yep. And it's a very sweet and reaffirming moment. Um, but then as as they're walking, Little Catra stops. Little Catra just stares up at Big Catra. Yep. And they just share a few beats of eye contact. Yeah. This is where Catra makes her de- her decision. Yes, yes. this I is so yeah, too. yeah. No, I went ahead, but this is where Catra makes her decision. Yeah, and it is does not come from a place of rational thought. <laughs> no, no, this is a gut emotional place that she's in. Yep. Could you? How would you describe the look that little Catra is giving to Big Catra? Can you even describe it? I struggled with that. I had a hard time with that one too because it was. It was like it's complicated. It's complicated, right? Because like it does look like a please take care of me type of look, right? Yeah. Like it's like please take care of me, please nurture me. But it's also yeah. like really sad about it too. 
Mm-hmm. Like, why haven't mm-hmm. you taken care of me? Why haven't yeah, you nurtured like, when me? Are, when are you going to take, are you ever going to take care of me? Are That's you what ever, I wrote. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, ah, oh, it's so much. Bless you, Polly Go and Mickey Quinn. Bless you, Fuck Storyboard. Yeah. Bless Fuck you, Jen yeah. Bennett. This is gorgeous. This is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it's, it's, it conveys so much. I love cartooning. I love cartooning. Oh my God. It's amazing. I, it conveys so much with like very simple, very simple lines. So. Yeah. It can. When yeah. in the right hands. When it's in the right hands. Absolutely. It's super duper can. So, um, mm-hmm. ugh, my heart. Oh my God. I know. So after the silent exchange between big and little Catras is over and the kids are gone, that's when we see adult Catra's face set into hard lines and mm-hmm. now she looks like she's ready to do something yep and that's when the background disappears yep and so she makes her decision we get to a new yep. scene this is my meanwhile elsewhere yeah meanwhile elsewhere adora is fighting mm-hmm. still as herself no sword Yep, punching things she tries to grab her sword. It don't happen. Swinging upside down from a spider web. Yep. She's yelling at the spider. Stop it. I'm not your enemy. Just let me talk to Light Hope. Like, honestly, you know, still not able to get through on the automated system. Mm-mm. SBH1 is still asking, what is your query? Yeah. Somewhere back in the base base station. We're stuck. We're back there. Yep. Not happening. And now Adora's dangling from the web over the edge of this cliff. Yep. And below her is just this chasm between these two cracks of whatever. Right. It's all fake. None of this is real. It's all metaphorical. She's dangling from a metaphorical cliff. Yes. She's holding on for dear life. She's holding on for dear life to something. Like, yes, for her life. but, But she's holding on to something. Yes. You know, she can't do anything now. She's totally helpless. Yep. And then she looks up and she sees all the spiders move away from the edge of the cliff. Mm-hmm. And she hears sounds of fighting. Hmm. And then she says, and she's hopeful. And she says, Catra? Yeah. Right? She's still expecting that if indeed it is Catra there, that Catra has come to save her. <sighs> Again, like, it's not like she doesn't have any faith in Catra. Not right. And then Catra appears and she's got the sword. Yep. And we get a hey, hey, Adora. And it's so detached. Mm-hmm. It's so... Yeah. There's yeah. pain and anguish in the detachment of it. Like, you know, Catra's never been really good at, like, you know, not showing their emotions. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, this is, like, very much... But this is where she is right now. She's not faking it. She's not faking it, but she's still... she's. She's processing so many things at once, but it's it's like just pure kind of like detached pain. Um, mm-hmm. And she's just kind of like fiddling with the sword. And Adora's like, please help me. And Catra mm-hmm. is just like kind of and dead. And Catra's just focused on the sword. This thing wouldn't work for me if I tried. Yeah. It only works for you. Then again, you're special. That's what Shadow Weaver always said. Adora is like, wait, what? What are you doing? Like, yeah, and like what what is happening right now? Yep. And Catcher is pacing around with a sword while they're talking. She's, you know, taking her sweet time, sort of flaunting the fact that she has freedom of movement now and Adora does not. Yep. It makes sense. You've been the one holding me back. 
you've always been the one holding me back. You want mm-hmm. me to think I needed you, which like projection, Katra. Mm-hmm. Like you wanted me to feel weak. I don't think so. Yeah. And, and you know. But I understand how she got there. Yeah, absolutely. And it shows in this episode how of we course. could also see this. This is the heart the heart the fundamental heartbreak of this episode, at least for me, is that it shows you both of their perspectives so authentically. Yes. You know, it holds both truths so yes. authentically. Yes, it does. Ugh, so hard. There's no good guy or bad guy no. by the end of this episode. No, there isn't. There's just two two messy lesbians on opposite sides of a war. Indeed. So messy. And some very unhelpful holograms. Some very unhelpful holograms. Damn holograms. Damn. Yeah. So as Catra's speaking, she just said, you know, what you said. That you wanted yeah. me to feel weak. And then Catra comes and stands directly over Adora and she says, every hero needs a sidekick, right? And Adora is just beside herself. Yeah. And she says, no, that's not how it was. Yeah. And Catra laughs. And I think this is Catra's first, like, genuinely evil laugh. Yeah. Do you think so? It's not like a, you know, uh, foolish mortal type of... It's a cru- no, it's a cruel laugh. That might be a better word. Well, the transcript I'm looking at says, laughs humorlessly. And I really like how hmm. that's describing it because there yeah. is cruelty in it, but it's it's that like dry, empty laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Of kind of like the not giving a shit anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's that's a better way to frame it. Absolutely. Um, so after the laugh, uh, their surroundings start to dematerialize, and then Ketra kneels down in front of Adora with the sword, and she says She's like the sad thing is I've spent all this time hoping you'd come back to the horde. When really you leaving was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. And her face is a little crazed when she says that last line. Yeah. Yeah. Like she starts to look like she's a little bit out of her right mind. Yep. Yep. And then she starts to, she lowers the sword. um, And And Adora looks very traumatized. And it's like, I am so much stronger than anyone ever thought. Mm -hmm. And starts Mm -hmm. cutting Adora loose. Mm -hmm. Letting go. So Adora, so Catra starts to cut loose, and Adora has to let go. I wonder what I could have been if I'd gotten rid of you sooner. Ugh. Fucked up, dude. And Adora is just heartbroken. Yeah, she is. You know, forget the mortal peril. She's heartbroken. Yep. I think she's more upset about that than about the mortal peril. Oh, she super is. She's way Definitely. more upset about that. And that's, that's obvious. So before we kind of move in, to move through, I do want to point out, that this scene is the first time we hear the Catradora love angst scene, which is what I call theme, uh, promise. Mm. We hear the, the promise kind of action scene, the ba-ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba, you know, that motif we've heard throughout the yeah. season when there's like Catradora right. action-y t- stuff. But this, right now, is the first time we hear the kind of Catradora love angst theme. And it only plays in these type of major Catradora emotion, emotionally wrought scenes. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. So we have it in prom. And uh, listeners, please, if I missed this, let me know because I think I caught all of them. So we have it here in Promise. And I believe we have it in uh, Remember, uh, Corridors. And of course, we hear it in Heart. Um, at the end of yeah. Heart. It's the music that's mm-hmm. playing when, you know, love confessions are happening and 
you know, the world is about to end and then it is miraculously saved by queer love. So this is the promise theme, the promise Catradora love angst theme. Then we have Adora saying, I never meant to make you feel like you're a second best. She says, I'm sorry. Yeah, she Adora says, Adora has no problem saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, she says, she apologizes for what Catra, you know, is saying. She's apologizing to Catra for what Catra's issue, you know, issue may be with Adora, right? Yeah. And then the, you know, as she's kind of holding on, you know, because she's... Oh, and, but she's, at this point, I don't think we specifically said, Catra already cut the the spider webs and Adora fell a little, but then she grabbed onto a handhold with one hand. So now she's hanging just by one hand. Yes. So that is important. Catra has already cut Adora loose and Adora is still holding on. Yep. So more tenuously and precariously than ever, but it's still hanging on, has found a ledge mm-hmm. hanging on. Catra throws the sword down into the chasm and the wall behind Catra is dematerializing yep. even more. Yeah. The world is disappearing. Yes. Yeah. Basically. The world is for disappearing. For, yeah. And Adora is just helplessly watching it. Yep. And it, every, the only thing that is still existing in this world is Catra and Adora. And Catra is about to leave her. Yep. And Catra says, bye, Adora. I really am going to miss you. And she walks away. Yep. And Adora is crying and she yells, Catra, no. Yeah. And Adora, you know, dangling from the edge of a cliff precariously and crying reminds me, obviously, of the end of Princess Prom. Yep. Because that's the same ending there. It's the same and ending in there. In both situations, she's crying because she's heartbroken by Catra. Yep. What else is she going to be crying about while dangling on a cliff? Come on. Good job. Thanks, Catra. Um. Yes. So as as the whole world is in its final stages of disappearing, we see Light Hope from Adora's POV. We see Light Hope. We see her in like the outline shape of Adora's eye, like one eye. Yep. And then she's standing there and Light Hope says, Adora, you must let go. And she lets go. Yep. She breathes and then lets go. Yep. And then falls into the abyss, into the void. And that was actually really beautiful. Yeah. She took it in. She thought about it. She took a breath. And she, and even though she held on to the very last fucking second, she intentionally chose to let go. Yep. She didn't wait until after the cliff she was holding on to dematerialized, for example. And then it really would have been not her choice. Yes, she did. She 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 made she waited as long as she could and then she made her choice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, went into the unknown without Catra. Catra let go. Catra exactly. cut her free. She walked away into the unknown, into the mm-hmm. into the, the blackness. Mm-hmm. Adora let go and fell into the unknown without Catra. And it's so sad. I know. My next note is Ah I'm fine. <laughs> fine everything's fine yeah it's fine we're fine it's fine yeah but actually this is okay this is the episode where we don't have to be fine no we don't this is our this is our big cathartic move move right it's fine not to be fine right now everything's out in the open and then we have our little like tag at the end because there has to be a little bit of levity in this episode but even then it's not super well we have one more scene yeah that's what i'm saying when you said tag i wasn't sure what you meant yeah yeah so it's like the the last like the last scene in the episode where we need a little bit of levity Back in the fright zone, Entrapta and Scorpia are broing down about just real having real romantic connections. Yeah, no, I think it's great. Entrapta is working on Emily, yep. and Scorpia is entertaining her with the epic tales of Scorptra. 
<laughs> Epic tales and, of Scorpia. Yeah, and I think Entrapta is a great friend for Scorpia because she doesn't get annoyed by Scorpia's chatter. Yeah. Because she doesn't really have much of a baseline of expectations for normal social behavior. So she doesn't think Scor- uh, Scorpia is weird. And Scorpia's kind. And Entrapta also Scorpia recognizes very kind. Scorpia's kindness. Yeah. Scorpia's talking about, you know, I think that's really when we made our connection. You ever meet mm-hmm. someone just instantly click? Like Scorpia's like gushing about her, this girl that she super has a crush on. Yeah. Um, I have this as a gayest moment, you know. It's pretty, sure. it's pretty gay. Like we've already established sure, what our is. gayest moment is, but... It's still pretty gay. But that does not mean that nothing else is gay. No, because it's this show and everything is fucking gay, right? Everything is gay. Everything is gay. Everything's gay. Hooray. Hooray. Hooray for being gay. Hooray for gay cartoons. So then Catra comes in. And she's and a fucking wreck. Scorpia gets immediately right into her face. What happened to you? You're filthy. Are you okay? Do you need first aid? Do you need to be nursed tenderly back to health? Which I love. T- nursed tenderly back to health. Yeah, of course. I mean, Scorpia could only hope. Yeah. That Catcher would be would need to be nursed tenderly back to health. And, and of course, by the end of this very short, very short interrogation, Scorpia is now about two inches from Catra's face. Right. So of course, Catra, um, Catra. Let's Scorpia know that they need to have some social distancing in place. Yeah. With great restraint, Catra says, Scorpia, remember the talk we had about personal space? Which Scorpia? For Catra, that's a lot of restraint. Yeah. And also for Catra, what Catra just fucking went through. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But like, you know, Scorpia, and Scorpia does suck at personal space, but you know, she's like, like, oh yeah, right. 10 foot radius. They would do well in a pandemic. Oh yeah. Yeah. They can so easily be reminded to keep a 10 foot radius. A 10 foot radius. <laughs> yeah. That's a I'm 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 in favor of it. Yeah, I'm into that. And then uh Catra turns to Entrapta. Well, no, Catra just turns around and boom, there's Entrapta. And Catra's like, "What the hell? Aren't you sp-? And it's that gag again, right? It's the same gag from right. Beacon where like Entrapta's right. free, but oops, Entrapta actually shouldn't be free. You know. But it's like nobody cares. She's like, oh, right. And she just jumps back into the restraints. Right. And Catra's like, whatever, you know. Yeah. Catra really doesn't care. And and is like, and then, you know, tosses the data crystal right. to Entrapta, yep. who, you know, geek snorts happily, you know, geeker joy. Yeah. Entrapta really, like, she has the anime eyes. Yep. This is, you know, the most pristine data crystal she's ever seen. Imagine what secrets this could hold. It could be a game changer. She is excited. Yeah. She And P.S., you know, the implications of this could be a game changer, hmm, we won't dwell on that too much right at this moment because we're very busy with our queer processing. Thank you. But yep. it's a little foreboding <sighs> to hear and trap to say... No matter what the situation, entrapped to pouring over text saying that something's a game changer. Yep. But we'll come back to that, I'm we're sure. Gonna come, we're going to come back to that. Yes, um, but we're then, tired right now. Dear Lord. Yeesh, I know. I'm ex- I need an emotions nap. Like, Oh, that would be nice. You know, just like to like process everything. But we're not mm-hmm. there yet. We're almost there. So Entrapta, you know, th- it's so cute. Entrapta and Scorpia are dancing together because they, they cannot contain dance. their excitement. And Scorpia says, oh, man, I knew Catra could do it. It was like I was telling you, she is the best friend ever. And then Catra bristles mm-hmm. and just stops. 
ship. And then in an even voice, just says... With her back to them. Just keep it down. I'm going to bed. And that's it. And she leaves. And the door shuts behind her. And... And that's the end. And that's the end. Fuck! Fuck! Fuck, Meph! Duh, Jenny! That was a heavy-ass episode. But it was it was good, though. It was good. I, it's you know, good. That's so it's fucking, It's not the like, kind of episode, for me at least, I know, you know, it's very triggering. Yeah. And it really depends on where you are with your own trauma, how it leaves you. Yes. But I, I love this episode because, because of the fact that it goes so deep and it shows both of their truths and what how it happened f- for both of them so well so well you know it's really able to hold to hold those two truths together this is the difference between truth and facts yes you can hold multiple truths easily yes oh i love but, this you know there cannot be alternate facts yes fact facts are provable and disprovable Yes, I love this. I love this. Jenny, you 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 hit the nail on the the head. Thank you. That nail was going right into Shadow Weaver's forehead. Yes. That's how I hit it. I love that. So Jenny, so Math, what did we learn today? We learned that being vulnerable and processing your trauma is really fucking hard. Shit, I'm learning that like all the time right now. Um, but I think we also learned that it's possible to do this oh it's possible to do this and come through the other side yeah and you might feel freer when you come out the other side you might feel freer if you let go and you know what and yeah it's okay to let go you won't die you won't die even if it feels like you're dangling from a cliff you'll just have to deal with a passive aggressive hologram yeah could be worse could be worse yeah Well, folks, if you liked what you heard and you want to process your breakup with us, you can like and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast fix. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at HeyAdoraCast, or you can email us at HeyAdoraCast at gmail.com. I have been making Spotify playlists for each episode. The playlist Promise, which is a personal favorite playlist of mine, is available on Spotify right now. You can find it in our show notes or by going to heyadora.gay. Fuck yeah! We are heyadora.gay now and forever, dear listeners. That's right. And remember, queer joy is radical. And queer love saves the universe! Ow! Ow!